Welcome to the Get Victory Podcast, Throwback Thursday edition. Today we're sharing with you a sermon from Pastor Ed that he spoke to the church in 2013. Thank you so much for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from Dr. Ed Crenshaw from the Hope Wind series. To find out more about Victory Church Philadelphia, go to getvictory.net. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from the Lord. Hallelujah. Hope wins. I'm Ed Crenshaw, the pastor of Victory Church. I want to welcome all of you who are here today in this service. I also want to welcome all who are watching me by way of video. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. His power is here. And because of the resurrection, we have hope. And I'm here to proclaim to you today, hope wins. Hope wins. If you have hope, you can endure almost anything. If you have hope, then you have a confidence of overcoming. I'm not talking about wishful thinking kind of hope. I'm talking about biblical hope that is grounded in reality, and there's no greater reality than the fact that we serve a risen Lord. We serve a living God, and in Him there is hope. When we have hope, we will stand. We will be able to endure. Without hope, when hope fails us, when hope flees from us, even the smallest things can crush us. I know a man who, when he was much younger, lost his wife to cancer. She died, and of course, that was a challenge to his hope, as you might imagine. But he said the thing that broke the camel's back, the straw that broke the camel's back, the thing that just sent him over the edge into uh, just an emotional pit of despair, was when his dog died. And he, it was just like, I couldn't handle it. It was like, my wife died and now my dog dies too. And, and in some ways, I know sometimes you think that, well, a dog dying, it's not on the same scale. The point is, because hope had already left him, even that experience crushed him. We want hope. We need hope. And through Jesus Christ, we have a powerful hope that I know will sustain you. And beginning today and for the next four Sundays, we're going to be speaking in a way that I hope will instill hope in you and cause you to know that you're going to overcome, that our God will overcome on your behalf. The powerful scripture that we want to begin with today is 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. It's almost at the end of the Bible. If you have a smartphone with the Bible app on it, you can get online right here. Uh, just go to Vic Public, the uh, wireless network, Vic Public, and then type in Victory123, all lowercase, and you can get online. Not to check, you know, your email. Go on Facebook. You can go to the Bible app or go to a Bible website. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's a good way to begin any endeavor, right? It's a good way to begin a letter. It's a good way to begin a prayer. It's a good way to begin anything that's fresh and new in our lives. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth 
into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trial. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Notice that Peter says that we are given new birth into a living hope. New birth into a living hope. In His great mercy, God has given us new birth into a living hope. Christ promises us new birth. As radical as His resurrection from the dead, our experience of new birth is a radical transformation of our lives. It is such a radical change that the only way you can describe it is new birth. Jesus said that if you want to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again. And that was such a radical concept that the man who asked him what he had to do to get into the kingdom of God said, how am I going to do that? You know, can you go back into your mother's womb? But Jesus said, unless you're born again, you just cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. We need a radical new beginning. Unfortunately, the term born again has been co-opted in our society. Right now, we relegate that to some political position or some extreme religious position. And maybe some of us can't really relate to that term born again, but we can relate to a God who gives us new beginnings. A God who gives us a fresh start. A God who can take the mess sometimes that we put into his hands and turn it around and do something amazingly fresh and amazingly new. That's the kind of God we have. He's a God of mercy. He's a God who is worthy of worship. He's a God who's worthy of praise. He's a God who would send his son to die on the cross on our behalf. He's a God whose son could not be defeated by the grave. He's a God who loves you with an undying love that sent him from heaven to earth. He loves you that much and he wants to do something fresh and new and radically transformed in your life. He's given us new birth and when we are born anew, we're born into something. It's not just a status that we have. It's not just a, a title that we can claim. I'm a born again Christian or whatever. It is born into a living hope. Well, what's a living hope? It's a hope that's not dead. Our hope can only be as great as the object of our hope. And the object of our hope ultimately is Jesus Christ himself. God who came in the flesh. He is our hope and he's a living God. He's an active God. He's involved in our lives. He's involved in this world. He came into this world. So our God is a living God. Again, death couldn't defeat him. He's a risen Savior. His grave is empty. The tomb is empty. We serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Give him praise. He's worthy of that. 
And so because our hope is in that God, it's a living hope. It's not a dead hope. It's not just wishful thinking. It's not some kind of vain desire for something better. This is a living hope. It's alive. It is powerful. It is active in our lives. It makes a difference in the here and now. It's not a hope just for when we're dead. It's a living hope for when we're alive here on this earth. It's a hope that is at work right now. It's not going to be alive someday. It always will be, but it's a living hope right now. And that's why in verse 5, Peter talks about we are shielded by God's power. Now, now in this life, we have God's power available to us. That's why Paul prayed in, in his letter to the Ephesians that we would have our eyes open our spirits enlightened that we would see spiritually this incomparably great power for us who believe. And he said that power is the same power that was, was at work when it raised Jesus from the dead. Resurrection power is ours in this life. We just need our eyes open to it. We need God to reveal his great power to us so that he shields us. Now, am I saying that because God shields us in this life and his power is available to us in this life, that if you trust in Jesus, if you're a born-again Christian, then you'll never have any, any problems? No, that's not what I'm saying. In fact, right here in Scripture, Peter says that you know we have had to suffer various trials. And those are things that cause our faith to grow if we will embrace those trials in the way that God would have us embrace them. I'm not saying that we just passively accept them, but I'm saying we endure those trials in the way God intends with faith and confidence and trust in Him, in His preserving power, in His presence in our lives. Our faith will grow stronger and stronger and stronger and the results will be increasingly beneficial in our lives. We'll grow in character. We'll grow in Christ-likeness and we will grow closer and closer to God through these trials. So, yes, there are trials that happen, yet we face them with a confidence, with a certainty, because we have a living hope in this power of God that shields us. Verse 5, it says, just, just so you understand that I'm preaching the Word of God, he's talking about we, through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In other words, this is a power that shields us in the here and now. So that while we're going through trials, we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, for my God is with me. Amen? We can face Goliath. We can face Goliath like David did earlier in his life. Anybody see that in the movie? Wasn't that powerful? I mean, David, little David takes his one stone in the movie. I mean, how dare they? Five smooth stones, but the point is, he only needed one, didn't he? And he could declare to the, the giant Goliath who intimidated all the armies of, of, of the God of Israel. He, he, he could say to that giant, you come against me with shield and sword, but I come against you in the name of the Lord. See, we can face the giants in this life. We can walk through the valleys of dark shadows, the shadows of death, and we can know that God is with us. Yes, we suffer grief, we suffer pain, there are trials that we have to endure, but we know that God's power is upholding us, that He is shielding us, that the power of the enemy will not overcome us. As we sang earlier today, if God is for us, who can be against us? 
This is a living hope. This is a living hope. Now, a few months back, I, I, I hurt my back. And, and how I hurt it, it just, you know, kind of irks me a little bit. Can I just be honest? I went to a worship event, Hillsong Live, you know, from the Hillsong Church in Australia. Many of the worship songs that, that they have produced, we sing too. And uh, I knew this was going to be a, a great event. And, you know, when I'm in church, I like to sit close to the front. You know, I just like to feel like I'm a part of what's going on. And, and, and so, you know, I wanted to be close to the front at this uh, worship event. You might call it a concert, but it was truly a worship event. I knew it would be powerful. So I paid a little bit of extra money for the best seats in the house. There was only one problem when we got to the arena in Baltimore. The best seats in the house were not seats at all. The best seats in the house were a standing area right in front of the stage and all the people that paid for cheap seats got to sit down. You know, so I'm standing for hours. We get there early, you know, and we were probably an hour early. Then, you know, the whole worship event was two or three hours and by the time it was over, my back was hurting me a little bit and in fact, the next day, I woke up and my right leg was numb. And not only was it numb and I was missing some feeling there, but there were muscles I could not even move. And I was a little bit concerned, went to the doctor. She said, oh, you just have a sciatic nerve that's flared up and I'll give you this uh, steroid treatment and you'll probably be, be fine. And thank the Lord it worked. But there was one little side effect that uh, you know, I was warned about with regard to the steroid treatment, about a five or six day treatment. You know what that is? Depression. Well, road rage might be a, a symptom of it, but <laughs> maybe that's how you respond. But, <laughs> but depression, and you know, when you're depressed, you're probably more susceptible to road rage too. But, you know, I just got depressed. I, you know, I just had this hopeless feeling, and I looked at my circumstances, and th there was no reason that I should be hopeless. I mean, things were still going well. Nothing had changed for me in those few days, but I just felt hopeless. I had to come in here on a Friday night, you know, at the end of that course of treatment and conduct a pursuit service. It's all about joy and worshiping God. And, and I was depressed, and somebody told me, you know, after the service, that was the best pursuit service we ever had. I'm thinking maybe I should be depressed more often. <laughs> just so you can enjoy your pursuit service. No, no. <laughs> But one thing that helped me with that feeling of hopelessness, with that depression that was very real, it was real, was the knowledge also that it was a side effect. And I don't know what might cause you to lose hope or maybe even to feel depressed. Might be hormonal. Might be something that runs in the family. It might be just overwhelming circumstances in life. And so that feeling of hopelessness, it's real. That depression, it's real. The pain, the grief that Peter describes here, that's real. It's real. We acknowledge it. But guess what? Ultimately, it's the same as my experience. It's just a side effect. See, it's not the ultimate reality. It's real, but it's not the ultimate real. It's not the final real it doesn't have the final say. Jesus' death and burial were real. 
the grief that his disciples experienced was real. The hopelessness that they must have felt when all their dreams were shattered at the cross was real. But there was a higher reality. And that's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the power of God that shields you and me even in this life and carries us on into eternity. It's real. It's real. And God wants you to know that He's given you a living hope that taps into a higher reality. And it's real. That's why it can be a living hope too. It's not only alive now, but it's real. It's real. And, you know, think about Elisha. Elisha was given military intelligence by God. He was a spy without ever having to go behind the enemy lines. Why? Because God was revealing to Elisha the plans that the king and the generals of the enemies of God were making in their private quarters. And God was just showing Elisha what the enemy was planning, and then he would inform his king and their generals, and then the, the people of Israel were able to just sidestep and miss the attack of the enemy. And so the enemy was confounded on every turn, and they found out that the reason why was because Elisha was getting this intelligence. So they went after the source of the knowledge that the Israelite armies were able to attain. And they went after Elisha. And they, they, they go after one man with a huge army. I can imagine thousands and thousands of soldiers. And they surround the place where Elisha was staying. And when Elisha's servant wakes up the next morning after they had been surrounded, he looks out and his heart is struck with fear. And he, he cries out, look! You know, look at all these people who are coming to get us. And I can just imagine Elisha, he just, you know, kind of yawns and stretches and just says, oh God, open his eyes. And the servant goes and looks again and he sees between him and those enemy armies, another army, the horses and chariots of fire of the armies of God. God, open our eyes, open our eyes, enlighten our hearts to know this power for us who believe this incomparably great power that raised Jesus from the dead. It's real, it's alive, it's active in this world now. You have been born anew, born again into a living hope that makes a difference now, that shields you now. But there's also something else that you're born anew into. What does it say there in 1 Peter chapter 1? It says you're born, given new birth into a living hope, in verse 4, and, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. An inheritance kept in heaven for you. So there's a here and now living faith, but there's a future inheritance for you as well. That's hope. That's hope. And it's an inheritance kept in heaven for you. Kept in heaven. We're all looking for a secure investment, aren't we? I mean, most of us in America today have some kind of investment plan for retirement. We're at least hoping Social Security will hold on until we're able to benefit from all that we paid into it, right? We're looking for a sure and certain investment. But nothing is sure and certain. Wall Street's not certain. The housing market, you never know. 
your bank account, you know, the FDIC only insures up to a certain amount, and I know you got a whole lot more than that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, there, there's no certainty. There's no security. and You could even buy gold. You can buy gold. But, but Peter says here, gold, it, you know, it perishes even though refined by fire. It could be stolen. It wears out. You could lose. I mean, think about it. There's no safe investment. But you have an inheritance in heaven that's more secure than Fort Knox. It's kept there for you. It's guarded. It's guarded by God. He's holding it for you. Man, one day you're going to step into that. I don't know what it's going to be like. You know, we can only imagine. We used to sing that song. I can only imagine. I can only imagine what it'll be like to be face to face with God. I can only imagine stepping into and receiving the fulfillment of this inheritance that God has stored up for us in heaven. And because it's in heaven, it is something that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, more traditional King James language would say. Incorruptible, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. I mean, this stuff will never perish. It'll never spoil. It'll never rot. Jesus talked about treasures in heaven that'll never be stolen. I mean, they, they just don't fade. Now, what was the biggest Christian celebration of recent months. The last big one that we had was Christmas. And for Christmas, we celebrate by exchanging gifts. And I bet if I asked you, you know, in the next five seconds, quick, tell me what you got for Christmas. You might forget even the biggest, most exciting gift that you received. Right? I can't remember. In fact, I think maybe I didn't get anything. I think maybe I got cheated for Christmas. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> You know, and, and maybe you did get something, but how many of you have already lost it? Or it's broken. Or you had to send it back. Or, you know, if it was closed, you already outgrew it. I don't know. I mean, it, you know, or wore it out. First to seem. That's what I would be more likely to do. Uh, you know, it's gone. Or your kids, you know, you have toys, you bought them toys, and you, you waited in line, you know, at 5 a.m., you know, on the day after Thanksgiving, and now it's gone, it's broken, right? It's just, just gone. But the inheritance that we have is incorruptible, undefiled, unfading. It'll never fade. It'll never go away. You know, speaking of fading, it makes me think about, you know, my uh, January vacation. We had a va January vacation this year. Didn't take the kids. Just Lisa and I went to the Riviera Maya, the um, beautiful Yucatan Peninsula, to celebrate our 25th wedding anniversary. So we usually don't do a January vacation. And that was just great. You know, we, we put so much into vacations and experiences here and this life and material things. And the next thing you know, you know, it's gone. It's, it's a fading memory. You know, I, I can't remember even all the, the wonderful things that we experienced on that little five or six day vacation. You, know, you forget names of people. You forget uh, just certain interactions that you might have had. And you, you forget, you know, how beautiful the sunrise was. You, you just, those things fade in, in your memory. You know, my tan. I, you know, it's great to have a January tan. 
but it's faded. You know? Just fades. Our, our bodies are subject to corruption, aren't they? You know, they, they decline. True, I'm fighting it. I'm fighting it. You know? Forget about growing old gracefully. Let's fight it. Somebody told me the other day that 50 is the new 30. I'm 34. I'm staying there. <laughs> you just got to fight this stuff. You know, it's two years ago, so I started working out. A little over two years ago. Lost a bunch of weight, gained some muscle. I'm in better shape now at 54 than I've been since my 20s. You know, I feel better and, you know, can last longer and uh, preaching multiple services on Sundays. You know, and really that was part of what drove me to start exercising. I was getting worn out by multiple services. Getting sick on Sunday afternoons and Mondays and having a cold that would last two weeks. You know, enough of that. Enough of that. You know, so started working out and, you know, I'm finishing up. I'm in week 12, starting today, week 12 of my third round of P90X. Feels good. You know, it, it, it's, it's just great. But on Friday, I participated in a Good Friday service at Lower Providence Presbyterian Church, community service. Some of you were there. And, you know, I thought that it was appropriate to wear a suit there. And just like I'm wearing today for Easter Sunday, I normally don't wear a suit. Uh, some of you prefer that. I prefer not. And <laughs> thank God, I, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I think that includes suits and ties, you know. Uh, but w one of the reasons that I'm glad not to wear a suit is I, I hate wearing a tight collar. Just, you know, it just, it, it's hard. And, and this is a 17 and a half. See how tight that is? That's a big collar. And, and, and for me to get a, a I told Lisa, for me to, to get a shirt that fits me in the neck, it's like this wide on me right here. If I took off my jacket and you would see it's like a tent to be able to fit my neck. Somebody who works in the fashion industry was here at the first service and they told me afterwards the kind of shirts I need to buy that, you know, will have a 17 half neck but, you know, more tapered in the body. And sounds good to me. I bet you they cost three times as much as the one I'm wearing too. <laughs> but, you know, I, I just said, you know, my, my neck, this, this, you know, I have to get this big shirt. And Lisa said, that's because you're so strong. You see, she recognizes all the exercise I've been doing and all that. The sad thing is, she's not correct. My neck is big because I have gained a little weight back since I started or finished the first round of P90X. And see, I'm still susceptible to age. And we Crenshaw men, this goes back at least to my grandfather, when we get old and start gaining weight, first place we gain, right there. Right there, you know. Just my, I said, Lisa, it's not because I'm strong, it's because I'm old and fat and it's the Crenshaw neck. It's just going to get me no matter what I do. See, this body is corruptible. This body is fading. And as much as I fight it, it's 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 a losing battle. It's a it is a losing battle. Did you know it? It doesn't mean we just I give up and you know just succumb to you know Easter bunnies and things like that. You know, I'm talking about the chocolate ones. Uh, <laughs> it, but but it does mean that we recognize that these bodies they hurt, they ache. You know, nerves go out. 
you know, we lose muscle control perhaps, you know, can't move a leg, those kinds of things. Maybe steroids don't work. We, we, we have battles with some of us much more serious, you know, fighting cancer and things like that. And, and we're, we're losing this battle. Yet at the same time, we win. We win through the resurrection. And I'm not just talking about Jesus' resurrection. I'm talking about your resurrection and my resurrection. We have the promise of an inheritance that includes, you know, not only streets of gold and gates of pearl, but include resurrection bodies. That's why Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, if only for this life we have hope, we are of all men most to be pitied. Folks, we have a resurrection body awaiting us. And maybe if you're in your 20s and you're at the prime of life and you've never known any, any sickness or physical distress whatsoever, that might not mean a whole lot to you. But I'll tell you, at the new 34, it means a whole lot more than it did at the old 34. <laughs> it means a whole lot more. And folks, we have a resurrection body. I don't know what it's going to be like. Paul describes that in 1 Corinthians. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be a glorious body. And we have the hope of a resurrection. That's why we can grieve, but not as those who are without hope, because it's tied in not only to Jesus' resurrection, but our own resurrection. That's powerful. That's powerful. That gives us hope. The body they may kill. God's truth abideth still. Man, this is God's truth. This is God's promise we have the victory. So we have new birth into a living hope. It's alive. It's real. It shields us. It brings God's power to bear on our earthly circumstances so that we can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. We can face our Goliath. We can face the enemy armies and know that horses and chariots of fire surround us. We have an inheritance that is in heaven. We're storing up treasures in heaven and we will live there forever with resurrection bodies that are glorious, that never fade, that never perish, that never will be defiled in any way. And then, the result of that, the result of that, I'll tell you, if you really understood that, you'd be happy. You'd be, you'd be more than happy. You'd be full of joy. In fact, Peter says in verse 9 that because of this, we are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Verse 6, going back to that, talking about the inheritance that we have, the new hope in this, you greatly rejoice, though now you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds. We have joy. We ought to be the happiest people on earth. Happiest people on earth. It's a, it's a real and living hope. And it's accompanied by inexpressible and glorious joy. When I was a kid, we used to sing this song. It is joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, the half has never yet been told. It is joy unspeakable, inexpressible and glorious joy. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Full of the glory of God. It is present tense. It is in the now. It's not just awaiting us in heaven. We have this joy even as we face various trials. We have the joy of the Lord. It is our strength. It is one of the fruit of the Spirit. It is part of God's plan for each one of our lives. He doesn't intend for you to be a melancholy Christian, does He? You know what a melancholy Christian is, don't you? Yeah, it's a Christian with a head like a melon and a face like a collie. So it's not God's will. 
not God's will. Too many melancholy Christians already. God's will for you is inexpressible and glorious joy. If it's inexpressible, guess what? You can't even describe it. I don't have words to describe it. Unfortunately, it's easier to, to describe the way far too often we go about our daily lives. Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers from back, you know, many decades ago, was, was training up some new preachers, and he said, when you speak about heaven, you know, that inheritance that awaits us, when you speak about heaven, let your face light up as though radiating the glory of God. He said, but when you speak about hell, well, your regular face will do. You know, our regular face ought not to be more a reflection of hell than it is of heaven. We ought to have faces that reflect the glory and the joy of heaven here and now. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. Yes, you can give God praise for that. That's His will. Do we acknowledge the grief? Yes. Yes. But we do not grieve as those without hope. We have hope. And we can reconnect with that joy. How do we connect with this joy? He gives us some easy steps here. Verse 8. 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, 8. 1 Peter 1, 8. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There are three things that pertain to you. Some things that you can do. Now, this is in response to Him. This is in response to His love. All the pressure is not on you. All the burden is not on you. But we have a choice. You love Him, you believe in Him, and you receive. Love, believe, receive. Love, believe, and receive. How do you love Him? How do you love this one that you can't see? How do you love Him? First John tells us the real big question is not, do you love Jesus, but do you know He loves you? Do you know He loves you? When you know He loves you, when you know He died for you, when you know that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you, He loves you that much, when you apprehend that and you possess that for your own and you can claim for your own life, you are a child of the King, you are chosen by Him, He loves you, then love is a natural response. Just choose to respond to Him. Choose to respond to His love. Believe in Him. Put your trust in Him. Put your confidence in Him. Quit just depending upon yourself. Don't depend even upon your righteous acts. Don't depend on how often you go to church. Don't depend on how much you give to the church. Don't depend on how much you serve. Don't depend on how much you give beyond the church. Depend on Him. Believe in Him. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. He paid the full penalty. He makes you right with the Heavenly Father. He makes you acceptable with God. And God embraces you and gives you a purpose, a reason to live in this life. Believe in Him. Believe in this God. Believe in this one who gives you a living hope. Believe in Him and then receive. Receive. And notice that Peter says, you're receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. See, we're used, in, the, in our theological tradition, we're used to talking about salvation as past tense. Are you saved? You know, is it something that's already happened to you? When were you saved? How were you saved? It's past tense. But biblically, it's past tense. It's also future. 
In some cases, the Bible talks about we will be saved. He who endures to the end will be saved. We're going to be saved. Someday that salvation will come to fruition. We'll experience it fully and completely. And in between that past experience where you can say, I was saved, it's done. And that future experience, it's going to culminate and I'm going to be fully saved. In between, we're still receiving salvation. And I think as we keep on receiving salvation, we keep receiving hope. We need new mercies every day. We need hope every day. We keep receiving the joy of the Lord. We keep receiving. And as we choose to love and we choose to believe and we choose to receive, we choose joy. Let me tell you, you face circumstances every day where you have a choice. Are you going to respond in a way that pulls you down? In a way that pulls down others? Or are you going to respond with the joy of the Lord? You choose. Choose joy. There's hope. There's a reason to choose joy regardless of what you're facing. Rejoice. 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 Have you ever experienced this joy? Have you ever? That's, that's a really good question. Because if you've been born anew, you've received this joy. You, you've experienced it. When I went to seminary, I, I shared about my salvation experience. When I truly became a follower of Jesus. And that was in my junior year of college. I'd gone to college for two years and then had been in the army for three and went back to college. And there, I, I, I just became a full follower of Jesus. Yet, in spite of the radical new birth that I experienced, the transformation, God took certain things away from my life. I mean, drugs and cigarettes were just gone. Foul language, gone. I mean, God did a miraculous transformation. But there was one thing that I, I still struggled with. And it was alcohol. And I shared that experience with a fraternity, not fraternity brother, but with a, a, a classmate in seminary. And, and you know, he, he struggled with alcohol after he became a Christian. He said, brother, are you sure you were saved? I know I was. I know I was. Let me tell you a better question. Have you ever experienced this joy? If you've never experienced... Now, we Christians, we're subject to falling back away from it. We don't keep receiving the joy. We don't keep receiving hope. Which is one of the reasons why we need to be in church as often as we can. Because I, I need help rejoicing. If I'm going to choose to rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord. If I'm going to choose to, to uh, conform with scriptures, which says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I need help. I need the help that I get in a service like this. I need so much help that God makes me attend three or four of them a Sunday. So, <laughs> but, so we, we can all drift away from it, but have you ever experienced that joy? Have you never received it? So you'll know. It's a new birth. It's a transformation. It's not about feelings, but it does give you a new birth into a living hope, into an inheritance. And because of that, we rejoice. We rejoice. We're given an inexpressible and glorious joy. If you've never received it, today is the day. Today is the day. I want to ask you all to bow your heads, close your eyes. We're going to pray a prayer to receive this joy into our lives, to receive salvation, to receive new birth, which is not a political position or some theological viewpoint. It's an experience with God. Just everybody here, repeat this prayer for me. If you've never prayed a prayer like this, pray it from your heart. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you love me. You love me so much 
that you came through your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I believe Jesus died. That he was raised from the dead. And that he is Lord. Be Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin. And I turn to you. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with hope. Fill me with joy. Fill me with purpose. Help me live for you. Thank you for receiving me. As your child. I'm yours God. And I love you. I believe in you. And I receive you. In Jesus name. Amen. Give God praise. Thanks so much for listening to the Throwback Thursday edition of the Get Victory podcast. You can learn more about Victory Church Philadelphia by visiting getvictory.net.